Amen. Good morning, Central Christian. I I I always hate. I'm I'm gonna stop you right there. I always hate when pastors do this, but like I get it, cause there's what almost 300 of y'all sitting in here, and I heard like five people. So I'm gonna say it one more time, and then we can move on. All right. Good morning, Central Christian. How we doing? Okay, that's better. That's better. Hey, I, I get it. Y'all don't know me. Y'all don't care about me. I understand. Uh, so thank you. But I get it. I, I grew up in Houston. I went to, to a school that's now called Houston Christian University. Used to be Houston Baptist University. God bless the Baptists. That's all I can say about them right now. And, okay, that got a chuckle from some of y'all. I'm getting it. Okay, I'm getting it. And uh, my dad was a pastor. Uh, I grew up in ministry. By the time I was 17, I was already leading worship for the church that we were attending. And not just like, oh, he's one of the guys that goes up on stage. No, like I was the one leading, like choosing the songs, uh, training volunteers, getting people involved, doing all this thing. And I got to college. I went to Houston, uh, again, Christian University now. Not because I wanted to, and I want that to sink in, all right? I wanted to go to NYU. I got accepted to NYU on a music scholarship, and it ended up that I couldn't go because I couldn't pay the entrance fees. And HBU, H HCU, was my safety school, and they offered me more in scholarships, and I was like, all right, well, I got to go to college. And so I get there, and I realize I don't care. I don't care. I graduated college with a 2.37 GPA in business with a minor in music. I worked at my church, like, again, actual salaried employee at my church the entire time I was in college, and I did not care. I didn't care about school. I didn't care about my faith. I didn't care about uh, the work I was doing at the church. And frankly, we did a lot of good work. Like we really actually did. But what I, uh, what I realized was that I knew all the stories. I knew that, that right, John 1, 1, Jesus, uh, in, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. I knew that Jesus uh, was baptized and performed miracles. I knew that Jesus went to the cross. I knew that Jesus came back from the dead. I knew that Jesus had gone up into heaven. And I didn't care. And I want that to sink in for y'all. So I went to chapel, and we were only required to go to chapel ten times in a semester. I went to chapel, and I would immediately fall asleep because, say it with me, I didn't care. I, I did my best to get out of it. I took the religious courses that, that were required because they were required, and frankly, I did well in them, but it was because I knew all the stories. I didn't care, though, about the songs that we were singing. I didn't care about the, the, the passages that we were opening up. I didn't care about any of these things until one moment in 2015 that I realized, here's why I care. It wasn't that Jesus was powerful. It wasn't that Jesus was and is and will always be. It wasn't that Jesus had, had come to teach us how to love 
and died because he loves us. It was because one moment I found out I'm, go I'm going, it's my final semester. I spent five years in school, by the way. Go me, 2.37. And so, so <laughs> there's a reason for that, y'all. So there's one moment I'm, I'm studying for my hardest final. It's the end of the fall semester of, of 2014-15 school year. And, and my girlfriend walks into my apartment. And she says, hey, babe, I've got news. And the thing that I had been honestly kind of scared of for the last few weeks, uh, she suddenly tells me. She goes, I'm pregnant. This, this kid whose dad is a pastor, right, who is working at a church, who is in ministry like currently, his girlfriend comes up to him and says, I'm pregnant. And I told her, babe, I, I understand, <laughs> but this is a really hard final, and I'm going to fail it if I, don't, if I don't study for it. Can we talk in 12 hours? Yes, wow, exactly. And so we talk, we make a plan, you know, we're going to tell our parents we're, we're, we're going to get married. Uh, this month, in, in two weeks exactly, we uh, celebrate our eight-month, our eight-year, sorry, eight-year anniversary. And thank you. Yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate that, all three of you. And the one person who whooped over here. And what I realized, the moment I started caring, okay, was when I went and I told my parents, because I had to tell them, I went and told my church, because I worked for the church, and I went and I told my mentor. And I remember walking into my mentor's office, and, and he just happened to be there. He, he had a position kind of like Zach Fleming does over here, and uh, he was just, his door was always open sort of thing. And I walk into his office and I, I crash on, on one of it, like literally just like fall into this, this armchair he's got. And I just start bawling my eyes out. And he's looking at me like, what just happened? And so eventually after like <laughs> 30, 40 minutes of just crying to him, I tell him, hey, David, this happened. And he says to me, it's okay. Jesus still loves you. And then I went and I told my parents, and I was actually just talking to my parents recently about, about this, like in preparation for this, and, and like they were, they were mad. They were, they were real mad. But they sat there at the dining table across from me, and they said, hey, Kevin, it's going to be okay. We're here with you. And then I went and I told my church, I told, I told the, the, the pastors of the church, I told uh, the, the leadership board of the church, I said, hey, this happened. I need to step down. If y'all want me to leave the church, I understand. I will step out. I will never come back. And they said, no, Kevin, we actually, we want you to stay, actually. What we want to do is, like, you're going to step back from your responsibility. Somebody else is going to take over that. But, like, we, we want to welcome you and your, your new wife and your new kid. And so in that moment, if you're keeping track of this, in, in these three months, again, we, we got married March 14, uh, 2015, 3.1415, because we're, we're nerds like that, right? Those are the first five digits of pi. 
3.1415. I think uh, my wife did it, honestly, so that I wouldn't forget because I'm very forgetful. I've got a million things in my mind all at once, but I remember that. And so in those three months, and really it's six months because my church, uh, our church at that point, they threw us like a bridal party, a wedding shower. And then two months later when we announced the, the, the pregnancy, they threw us a baby shower. And then another three months after that when our first son was born, we've got four now. <laughs> that gets the cheer out of y'all, really? Yeah, I got four kids. My oldest one is seven. He's turning eight this year. And when he was born a few months after that, uh, the people of my church lined up to bring us meals. They lined up to bring us diapers. And in these months, I realized the central truth about Jesus that made me start to care. And that is Jesus is compassionate. Jesus is compassionate. And so today what I want to do is I want to look at the story. All, all of that's good and well, right? But, but like we're going to go to the Bible now. And so I want to look at the story in, in the Gospel of John chapter 4. I know none of y'all are like following along in your Bibles. It's chill. The story of uh, in John chapter 4. I've got it pulled up on my phone here. And it's the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman. And it's a long passage. I'm not going to read it all. I'm going to tell you all the story and then uh, uh, read a couple of specific verses. All right, John chapter 4. What happens is that Jesus is walking from one place to another. He needs to escape some persecution that he's coming under. And so between the two places that he needs to get to, he needs to travel through a different nation called Samaria. Now, Samarians or Samaritans... And, and the Jewish people, they were fairly alike. They worshipped the same God. They used the same laws. They were just, the Jewish people were just very racist towards Samaritans, honestly. Because hundreds of years before, Samaritans had started to marry outside of their own tribes. And so by the time that Jesus is walking across this land... He's not supposed to be doing that because Jesus is a Jewish man who is a rabbi. People know him. He has performed miracles like people know who he is. And so it's this like very respected individual just walking through this place he's not supposed to be in. And so him and his disciples get to a certain place, a well, and he sits down there. And he says, hey, go, go, go find some food. Like it's the middle of the day. I'm hungry. You're hungry. Go find some food. And so the, the disciples go into town. They find food. And while uh, Jesus is sitting there on his own, a Samaritan woman comes up to him. And all she's doing is she's going to the well to get water. That's all she's doing. It's the middle of the day. There's a thousand and one reasons why she was getting water. That's not really important. What's important is that as she's getting water, as she draws up the bucket, Jesus looks at her and says, let me have some water. And so this is significant because, again, he is a Jewish man who is a rabbi. He's respected in his community, and he's talking to a Samaritan woman alone. <gasps> That's not supposed to happen. And so she looks at him and she says, 
goes, yeah, you get me some water. And she says, they, they, they start to have this conversation where he goes into, uh, uh, he, he starts to say, he starts to say, get me some water. And she says, how is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a Samaritan? And he says, you're right, why should I, the son of God, ask for you, just a regular person, for a drink? She goes, what are you talking about? And he says, well, see, the water that, that I'm asking you for, like, I'm going to get thirsty again. You're going to get thirsty again. We're going to need more water that you're drawing up from the well in a few hours. But the water that I can give you will give you everlasting life. The water that I can give you uh, will never make you thirsty again. And she says, how can this be? You're not, she, she doesn't know him, all right? And she says, how can this be? You're, you're just a regular guy. And he says, everyone who drinks from this water, and th this isn't even the good part of the story, all right? He says, Everything, everyone who drinks from this water will get thirsty again, but whoever drinks from the water that I give him will never get thirsty. In fact, the water that I give him will become a well of water springing up in him for eternal life. And so the woman replies to him, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to come come." get water from the well anymore and she's like she's thinking in earthly terms right she's like you've got water that'll never make me throw like give me that so that i don't have to do this chore anymore that's kind of ho how i thought of jesus right right in that time when my when when i got my girlfriend pregnant it was hey jesus is this person who maybe i can ask for things and I'll get something good in return. Maybe I can ask for a favor from, from God. And if God is good, right, that's, that's what she says. If you've got this water, then give me some water to drink. And so I, I was thinking if God is good, then God will do this favor for me. And so he says to her, you know what, go and call your husband and come back. And she says, I don't have a husband. And so he calls her out. He says, you're right. You, you have correctly said, I don't have a husband. For you've had five. And the, one, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. And I started looking at that. He specifically, Jesus specifically uses the word husband here. It's not person you sleep with. It's not person that you live with. It's not your brother or your father or your acquaintance or, or a really close friend. They were roommates. It's not like that. Thank you. A couple of you got that. It's not like that. He's saying your husband, the person that you got married to. And then he says, and you're right. The man you have now is not your husband. And I always thought that like the man she was now living with. And so I started looking at that word, uh, that phrase, the man you have now, and specifically the word written for now is the person that you've got in front of you that you have a hold of that is here, presently with you here. It's like if I said, right now, these three guys are laughing because I stomped a little bit. That's what that means. He's saying, this man, I, you're right, I'm not your husband. And so she looks at him and she goes, you must be a prophet. 
She says, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain that we've got here. But you Jews say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. And he says, believe me, an hour is coming when you will worship God neither on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you don't know. We Jews worship what we do know because salvation is from us. But an hour is coming and is now, there's that word again, is now here when the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and in truth. Yes, God wants such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And so the woman says, I know that the Messiah is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And so he says, I am the one speaking to you now. Again, that same word. The disciples come back. Kevin, what does this have to do with, com- with Jesus being compassionate? Yeah, I know. The disciples come back. They're like, Jesus, what are you doing talking to this woman? And, and before, like, like Jesus responds to them. And this is one of the few people in Scripture that Jesus does not say, go and sin no more. That doesn't mean that she was perfect. That doesn't mean that she did not sin. But it's one of the few people who went away from Jesus without Jesus saying, go and sin no more. Okay? So there's this story of this woman. He's, she's had five husbands. I started looking this up, like, how can this be? Well, what happens is that in ancient Jewish culture, when a, when a husband and wife, they get married, the husband is responsible for, for the wife. If the husband dies, the wife is left alone. She can't own property. She can't do anything. She can't work outside the home. She can, she can create a business for herself inside the home, but she can't do much. She can't go and find a job, right, at Central Christian College. And so what has to happen is God says, you know what, you want to do things that way, fine. But what has to happen is when her husband dies, somebody else in the family needs to pick up the slack, needs to be responsible for her. And that person was called a redeemer. Okay? That person is called a redeemer. And so I start looking through, through commentaries. I start looking up, like, why has she had five husbands? How did she get away with that? Like, there are people nowadays in our very, you know, modern or whatever you want to call it, 21st century culture who, like, they can't get married twice Because divorce is a bad thing. How did she get married five times? And what people keep saying is that her husbands kept dying. She was a serial widow. Glad you find that funny. But her husbands kept dying. And so per Jewish law, A redeemer had to step in. Somebody that would take care of her. Somebody that from the family that would pick up the slack and take care of her when there was nobody else to take care of her. And so she starts saying to Jesus, I know that the Messiah is coming. I know that the person who's supposed to redeem us is coming. I know the person who's supposed to save us is coming. I know the person that's supposed to reconnect us to each other is coming. 
And I want you all to, to listen here to what Jesus says because he doesn't just say, yeah, I'm here, duh. He says, you have had five redeemers. You've had five husbands. You've had five people that like this water from the well that you've been drinking can take care of you today but are gone tomorrow. And just like the water that I can give you, I am the redeemer that will never leave you. I am the redeemer that will always be here with you. I am the redeemer that will always care for you. Not because God is a genie. Not because we're required to go to chapel service. Not because our parents uh, send us a Bible on our birthday and we're like, Mom, I've got, I've got five Bibles already and one on my phone that I never use. Why are you sending me another one that I'm not going to use? But because Jesus is compassionate. And so the disciples come back and the woman goes and she tells the entire town. She goes and preaches the gospel. She goes and preaches to everybody, that redeemer we've been looking for is here and I know because he cares for me. I know because he's compassionate. I know because he sees me in, in like where I'm at and he still says, I can give you this living water. I still care. When I realized that, again, 2015, when I realized that, um, that Jesus cared in the form of the people that were surrounding me and my wife, in the form of the people that uh, maybe they had, they had stuff to say, but they weren't saying it to our faces, at least. When I realized that God is compassionate, that Jesus is compassionate, that Jesus cares, that's when I realized maybe I should care too. Not, not everybody's life turns out the same way, right? Not everybody goes and like goes into ministry. Not everybody goes and, and turns into, uh, again, in my case, I was a worship pastor and a youth pastor. Now I'm, I'm planting a church up in Lawrence. Check us out on, on Instagram. We're not on TikTok yet. Revive Church Lawrence. Not everybody's life turns out like mine. Not everybody ends up, uh, ends up getting married to that person and then uh, has four kids and buys a house. And I, I lost track of how many cars we've bought by this point because our family just keeps growing. And like, dude, a Toyota Corolla does not cut it for when you've got four kids. Barely cuts it when you've got three. It's, mm, it's tight. Can't, cannot do a Costco run in a Corolla. I'll tell you that. And so not everybody's life turns out like that. Not everybody has this, this experience where we say, hey, I'm going I'm to give it all to Jesus. And that's not what I'm asking for. 
all I'm saying, if you take one thing out of today, if you remember one thing tomorrow about what I talked about up here, I want you to remember that Jesus is compassionate. Jesus sees that you don't care about your grades or about your family or about, you know, in my case, my girlfriend. It takes a special type of person to say, I'll talk to you in 12 hours about your pregnancy <laughs> that I caused. Like, God saw that. God still cared about me. Jesus sees that we've got broken relationships with each other, with our friends, maybe with our roommates. Uh, I talked to one person. I was in college five years, y'all. I talked to one of my roommates from that time. Jesus sees that. Jesus still cares. Jesus sees the people that maybe I've had fights with. Jesus sees the times where I've said, God, I give up. I just don't want to anymore. And so what I'm telling you is Jesus sees that in you too. Jesus sees when life is hard. And Jesus sees when you want to give up. On school, on church, on your family, on your friends, whatever. Jesus sees it and he still cares. He still loves you. Because Jesus is compassionate. So I'm going to pray. Y'all can stay seated. Y'all can stand up. Whatever's most comfortable for you. But I'm going to pray. And as I'm praying, I want you to, to pray along with me. And all I want you to do, again, if you want to. All I want you to do is say, thank you, God, for caring. It's not something I want you to do out loud. I want you to do it under your breath. I want you to whisper it. I want you to, to think it, you know, real loud in your head, whatever it might be. But I'm going to pray, and as I'm doing that, I want you to say, thank you, God, for caring. And maybe, maybe we can walk out of this place understanding just a little bit more that God cares for us. All right? God, thank you for this day and for for Central Christian. Thank you for the work that you're doing in these students' lives. God, thank you because you do care. Thank you because you came because you are compassionate. Thank you because you, you, you lived here to show us that you love us. Thank you because you, in the people that surround us, in the things that we do, in the people that we encounter, you're showing us just a little bit every day that you do care. God, I pray that as we go back outside, as we go back to, to class or to our sports or just to, to Hulu and TikTok, whatever it is that we're going to do after this. God, I pray that you remind us that you care. And that that thought, that knowledge, that wisdom that, that we 
have that we know that you love us, that you care, that you are compassionate. God, I pray that that reflects on everything that we do. God, I pray that that shines through every single conversation that we have, every single paper we write, every single text we send. God, I pray that as we go back to normal life outside of this, that we remember you care for us, you are compassionate, you love us. God, thank you for the work you're doing here in McPherson, here at Central Christian. Thank you for every single one of these students. God, I pray that that they remember this, that they remember that you care, not my name, not what I was wearing, not not my church, but God, that, that they remember Jesus is compassionate. God, thank you for everything that you do in and through and around us. And it's in Christ's holy name that we pray. Amen. From what I understand, y'all are dismissed back to class. Thanks for coming. Love y'all.